Welcome to Create Your Own Light, where we harness our past, we embrace our future, and learn to conquer the roadblocks along the way together. I'm your host, Travis Howes. Let's get on with it. This episode is brought to you by YourWelder.com. YourWelder.com is an online directory of mobile welders. Whether at your home or at your industrial processing plant, we come to you. Our community of mobile welders can repair anything from the neighbor's mailbox that you just backed into or the cat bulldozer sitting on your job site. YourWelder.com is a directory of highly skilled professionals willing to help you on your job site on your timetable. YourWelder.com screens all of their welders using tools like photos from social media apps such as Instagram, Parler, and Facebook, even face-to-face meetups. YourWelder.com was built by actual industry welding experts who actually perform this type of work on a daily basis. And here's the best part. They're veteran-owned and operated. So go check them out at YourWelder.com. And also feel free to check them out on social media where I'll include their links in the show notes. Happy Monday, everybody. Uh, Thank you so much for being back for this episode. I forget what number we're on now because we have broken the the 10-episode mark. I was reading on um, before I started doing podcasts, and they were saying how many people fail by the time they even make it to ten episodes. That could just quit. And I was like, "Shit, if I'm doing that, I'm gonna, I'm gonna at least pass ten. So my goal is to do a hundred episodes, and then kind of go back and reassess things and see if it's getting the traction I want. Because I don't want to waste my time, and I damn sure don't want to waste yours listening to all this stuff. Because sometimes, like I say, sometimes we're just rambling. Um, there's not always a great message. It's hard to come up with um, week week to week. It's hard to come up with a uh, a positive, uplifting message in these in these talks that I do on here. And I was talking with a friend of mine today about having guests on, and I'm trying to stay away from that route because I'd rather just do a monologue by myself. And He's like, well, you need a guest to keep it interesting to mix it up and bounce topics off of each other. And I agree with that 100%. And that's why I think so many people do have podcasts is because it is easier, you know, from guest, you have, you know, guest to guest from week to week, you can constantly have evolving new um, content to put out there where me, I'm in here just kind of trying to create, but I'm not doing it alone because you guys have been rock stars on suggesting things and giving me feedback and it seems like you're pretty glued into the message that we're do, that we're that we're going with, you know. Um, it's all tracking along the same lines. I don't know if you can tell just by my voice today, from this episode to the last episode that just came out. I recorded the last episode. I recorded probably four or five days ago, I believe. And today, I'm in a complete new mind frame. I'm so much better today than I was then. Like I say, we all have those rough days, and I was having a rough patch for a while. I seem to have snapped out of it just yesterday, actually, because guess where I went? I went to my farm, and I spent a couple of days out there doing the shit that I love to do, working sunup to sundown. Very few um, calories were taken in because I was just working so much. And that's that's my that's my thing, man. And that's why I preach, preach, preach. Find the thing that you love and go immerse yourself in it. No fucking excuses anymore, people. Go get it. It breathes new life into you. Um, if you listen to last episode, I want to say that was episode 11. 
Um, let me look. Let me see here. Shit, I don't even know where it would be on the pages, but I think that was episode eleven. Man, I just wasn't feeling even fifty percent myself, and that's what you know these these um, depression, anxiety, PTS. You know, without the D, PTSD. You know, that's everybody's like, "What the fuck you saying disorder for?" Um, sometimes it just gets to be a little too much, you know. And and I was caught up in that uh, that rat wheel, rat wheel, if you if you will. Of doing the same thing day in day out, day in day out, day in day out, and there was a there was a period of about four days where I'm here at my home, where I didn't do anything productive, and I was just sitting outside by the pool and just lost in my thoughts, and I, I had to snap out of that, and that's why you know I don't I practice what I preach. I don't just preach this shit and just turn this thing off and like oh well, I knew what I needed to do. Um, I knew I needed to take care of myself and be selfish for a little bit. And that's what I did. I unplugged. I said, fuck it. I'm going to my farm for four days. And I went out there for four days and, uh, it did a world of good. I got to hang out with my best friend, my dad. He came out for a day and, or two days and actually helped me, uh, clear a fence line. We're planting some wildflowers. Um, so in 14 to 21 days, I'm going to be out there looking at wildflowers, baby. Boy, how times have changed. I couldn't imagine my 20 year old self saying that fucking wildflowers. What's wrong with you? Got a lot to cover today um, in episode, I believe this is 12. Shit, I could be wrong. I think it's 12. I'll get it right by the time I, by the time I list it. So um, I got notes for days because while I was at the farm, I was doing a lot of thinking. I started getting a lot of messages um, on past episodes. So I want to rehash a few things. And um, I guess there's some spouses had questions. Some other folks had questions I kind of want to hit on. Um, some of the stuff we've, we've kind of already talked about, but I need to get back to it. Um, one of the things with me is like, um, I have a fear of, of relaxing. I cannot relax because relaxing for me is the most dangerous time for me. As soon as my brain has time to start processing and thinking about things like that's when I, I, my body and everything starts shutting down because I, I start immediately going back and I start thinking about things and I start putting too much emphasis on things versus living in the moment and having life and just enjoying it. And that's why when I get outside next to my pool and some of you guys may be like this, if I sit there too long, I immediately I'm living in the past. And I think that's human nature. A lot of times we can't help it. And then I start wondering, Man, I'm really wasting my life just sitting out here. Man, I've only been sitting down for 10 minutes. And I feel guilty for not taking advantage of the time that I have left. Because if that were the last 10 minutes of my life, I wouldn't want to live it that way. Sitting in my fucking pool, listening to the birds. But then I'm like, wait a minute. That's not so bad. But the problem is I'm trying to compare myself <clears throat> now to what I used to be. You know, I always say... I was more of a man in my 20s than I am now. And I think that I couldn't be any further from the truth on that. I think what it was is I had a, a different level of excitement in life. Like now I have kids to excite me. I have soccer to excite me, Jeopardy to excite me. And back then I had the fear of, not the fear of, but the possibility of dying every time I went to work. I had the possibility of losing friends and there, that does something to you. That gives you a jolt of adrenaline, adrenaline. Like I can't even tell you, it gives you a, a feeling of importance. Like, all right, 
this job matters, what I'm doing matters, and today might be the day I got to cash it all in, right? And so you go to work. I'm not saying you go there looking for that, but you go feeling a sense of purpose. And when you don't have that any longer, that's inevitably, that's why we end up. I had a guy message me last night and he's like, man, I'm about to retire and I'm scared out of my mind. What do I do? And first thing I thought of is like, fuck, man, you better start finding a new purpose really quickly because after being on the job 30 years and just walking away, and he told me too, he said, when I leave the job, he says, I've seen it happen to other guys. The, The phone stops ringing, the calls stop coming, you stop getting invited. And that's right. You're only cool while you're on the job in the fire department, in the military, and police world. Most people, unless you have a real, real, really good friend, you're just, you just, the machine keeps going without you, baby. So you gotta, you gotta create new purpose for yourself. Living versus existing. I talk about it all the time, man. You gotta still live after your retirement and not exist. And the last four days, well, not the last four, because I was at the farm. I was actually living, doing shit I wanted to do. But the four days prior to that, when I was sitting by the pool and I was lost, man, I was just existing. And I talk about that in that podcast. So if you missed that one, go check it out. I always enjoy telling you guys some stories. Sometimes I have to think back on my life and think about some funny things. And then sometimes they just come right off. They come rolling off the tongue. <laughs> I got a, a plethora of shit. But it was either last episode or the one before that. I was telling you guys about my buddy who was a um, who was a police officer and he was trapped in his car. He was in the woods. And I was on the uh, engine company that had to cut him out of his car that night. And he was he was fine, but I had a conversation with him and he actually reminded me of something. I, I told him after I recorded that episode, I called him. We had a we had a conversation. It was pretty funny. And I told him, I said, man, I can't remember if you broke your leg or your arm. And he goes, dude, you don't remember? I said, no. And he goes, I broke my fucking arm, but you cut my pants off. <laughs> so that's... That's why we do what we do in emergency services, man. It's a lot of fun out there. And he's like, I don't understand why you cut my fucking pants off for my arm. And I was like, dude, because it was cold outside and I wanted to embarrass you. And uh, that's exactly why. Um, so as soon as he told me that, I remembered it. And that's that's funny. And, and, and it definitely was a chilly night that evening. Um, I had another comedian in Lansing, Michigan, threaten to kill me one time. Uh, well, this guy wasn't a comedian. I would say he was a... He was an open micer, and the thing in comedy is, man, you're not really a comedian until you're out there fucking doing it, right? Just because you go to a bar and you tell some dick jokes in your local town, you know, on every Thursday, that doesn't make you a comedian. That makes you a guy who normally is probably just drinking beer, being an asshole, and talking about abortions and doing a bunch of shock humor that is not fucking funny to anybody. Um, I can, dude, I've seen it all. So anyway, I'm in there. We have a show in Lansing, Michigan, and. They, for whatever reason, they let three non-professionals go up on a professional show. And I don't knock that because I actually got my start doing that. And I I did it and it worked out well for me. But the guy that went up that I'm going to tell you about, he went up and he started doing abortion jokes. And I, and I remember it like it was yesterday. He shut the entire audience off. Like It's like he went up there. They were on play. He hit stop, pulled the old cassette tape out, and just threw it across the room. They were Their mouths were on the floor. They didn't laugh at shit. And he got off the stage thinking he did good. And he went, he went to the back of the room. And when I came up that night, I remember saying, if you motherfuckers don't laugh at everything I say, I'm bringing that guy back up here. And they laughed so hard. 
And let me tell you something, that dude got so embarrassed by that. He jumps up and he threatens to kill me, right? He's like, I'll fucking kill you. He went back to the full metal jacket reference where he's like, I'll gouge out your eyeballs and skull fuck you. And I don't, I don't know. I don't think he really understood who he was dealing with, but I laughed and I pretty much had to tell him right then. I was like, well, we need to go ahead and do this because I'm not going to do this show and have you back there sitting there plotting on me the entire night and then sneak me like a little bitch out in a parking lot. Like, so anyway, I kept going with my show and I never forget. I was standing there at the merchandise selling my table. And while I was there, I had a, I had a t-shirt staged because I thought, I thought this kid was going to come back. He was one of those weird motherfuckers. I thought he was going to come back and do something. So I had a, I had some protection with me staged underneath a little t-shirt and I, I've never, I, that was an uneasy feeling that night because that dude, I think he, he kind of meant that, but honestly, he probably went and hung himself later that night because he was just, he was fucking weird. Um, I don't know where we're going. I just went, I just went really dark and I went to, went straight to suicide. And I'm going to tell you, I think suicide sometimes is, uh, they have, it's called suicide ideation. And when we go through post-traumatic stress and all this stuff, you start having those thoughts. And I know I'm speaking to a good group of you out there who has probably thought about it a time or two. There was a period in my life where I had this, the suicidal thoughts, the ideation every day, probably 20 times a day. I would walk around. I'd see myself in different places dead. Um, I don't. I don't. I don't like talking about this stuff because it's just. It's so fucking morbid, but it's so true. And I guarantee you, a lot of you that don't relate to this are probably tuning out. But the ones that are, are probably turning it up right now because you get it. Um, you you'll see an extension cord in your shed, and you think, "Well, I wonder if that would hold me." You walk by your shower, and you picture your brains on the shower. And the water running and flushing it down. You you walk by, um, you see a fucking concrete truck coming and you wonder what it would be like to step in front of it. That's suicide ideation. It doesn't mean you're having suicidal behavior, but it means you're having the thoughts. And the thoughts get more and more deep and dark and uh, frequent until you can get a hold of yourself. The thing that always mesmerized me about suicide is how unclear I think a lot of people are thinking in that moment. When they are really in that moment. And I've been on calls, um, where I've had to experience this myself at people at their worst moments. And one call in particular, I want to, I don't know if it's, uh, we get, we just get into a delusional mindset or we just do not take the time. We're in so much pain that we only think about the pain of it versus these, the, um, the pain and, suffering that it'll cause to other people around us. Let me tell you a story about when I was a police officer. I was a uh, I was a police officer one day. I was on patrol, and I got a call to the Don Holt Bridge in Charleston, which is uh, Interstate 526. And Don Holt's a pretty, pretty big bridge. There's been some suicides up there. And um, so I get there, and there's a guy sitting over the rail. And I immediately walk up to him and... I step over the rail with him. I, it's, I shouldn't have fucking done this, but I did. <clears throat> and I was like, hey, man, I was like, look, 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 what's going on? Just let's have a conversation before you do anything crazy. And I didn't realize later in life that I would I would become this guy. Like things would get so out of control for me that I would later. Now, I wasn't sitting on a fucking bridge with a, with a 
in this position like he was, but I was, I was doing some other dangerous shit and I just wasn't thinking clearly. And I don't have the, the diagnosis or the prognosis, whatever you call it or whatever goes along with it. I can't put a finger on why we, why we lose our train of thought and we only just want to escape that moment because everything's so heavy. You just want to relax and take that, that load off. But this is where this guy's head was. Check this out. He started talking and I remember looking at him and I said it just like this. Cause you know me, I don't, I don't sugarcoat things. I don't, uh, I don't, I don't kiss Vaseline and then dip my, dip my lips into a bowl of sugar to sugarcoat what I'm about to say. I looked at him and I said, um, and why, why the fuck are you wearing a life jacket? And he looked at me and goes, well, so they can find my body and give it back to my kids. And I said, how many kids you got? He said, I have three. And I said, I went back to my Marine Corps training. Well, one thing, and I learned this in Marine Corps, is when you jump off of a ship, like if you have to abandon ship, you never inflate your life jacket until after you hit the water. Because if you inflate it first and jump in, the weight of your body will carry you down, but your head doesn't. And the life jacket tries to hold you up and it dislocates your spinal column and it breaks your fucking neck, right? So I told him that story. I said, look, you jump from this bridge, your your kids aren't going to have a body to see. I was like, because I said it just like this. I go, that life jacket, when you hit the water, your body's going to keep going and it's going to try to hold you up. And um, it's going to rip your spinal column in your head right off your body. And, and his eyes, I remember him seeing me like, oh, shit. And he like thought about it. Now, I don't know if it would be that severe. But I told him that he thought about it. So I asked him, I said, man, let me ask you a question. Why do you feel the need to kill yourself? What, what is so bad in your life right now that, that you need out? And this is what he said to me. He goes, my wife divorced me. And if she gets custody, I'll never see my kids again. So think about that for a second. If she gets custody, he'll never see his kids again. Now, this is how unclear this dude was thinking. I looked at him. I said, well, let me ask you a question. If, if you kill yourself, how are you ever going to see your kids again? And he looked at me and says, man, I never thought about it like that. And here I am. I'm a 20, 25, 26 year old police officer. And I hit him with some knowledge. This is a guy probably in his forties like me now, if not a little bit older. And I hit him with something so real that he, he, he was mind boggled. You could see it in his face. And when he says, I never thought about it like that way, maybe I shouldn't do this. And I said, no, maybe you shouldn't. So before I grabbed his hand, I jumped back on the other side of the rail. So that motherfucker didn't pull me, but I jumped back on the other side of the rail. I said, come, come with me. And I grabbed his hand and put him in the car and away he went. And he went to get a psyche valve and I don't know whatever happened. And I don't know if he lived a fucking hour and a half past that moment, but he didn't jump off the bridge that day. And that's what I'm saying. It's when we get into these, um, these places in our mind, the only thing that makes sense is to check out. But we don't think about what that's going to do to everybody around us and how that's going to affect everyone else. And it's just a shitty place to be. And I've been there and and I'm sure many of you listening have been there too. But we can't go that route because there's always another day coming. And I don't know how many days away that is. I can't tell you. But this is something I thought of. We got to be thankful even on an empty tank. Think about it. 
It's easy to beat yourself up and get down when your tank is empty and to, and to start regretting and feeling and feeling horrible and thinking, woe is me shit. But that's when you really got to step up to the plate and you got to look around you and you got to put things in perspective and think to yourself, I may be empty, but at least I have a tank to fill. And all you have to do is find a new fuel source. That's it. Maybe you've been running the same old fuel for so long and it just doesn't do anything for you anymore. You're just so used to it. You got to find that new fuel, which is that what I what I say is that new purpose. You got to find it. Whatever it takes, get out of your comfort zone and go do it. Be thankful on an empty tank. Be thankful that you have a goddamn tank to fill. There are people out there who don't have tanks to fill. I don't give a fuck if your if your tank is empty and you have five holes in that son of a bitch and it's just leaking every time you try to fill it. You know what? Go get it plugged. Go get some plugs, plug it up, find that new fuel and carry your ass to where you need to be. I got to think like this all the time, man, because I'm going to tell you, I get beat down. I get beat down. I don't even run record. I'm so fucking jacked up right now to be recording this. I thought about last the last time I recorded, I said, you know, man, I think I'm going to be done with this podcasting thing. I don't know if it's for me, but you know what? It is for me because it is an out. Not only is it an outlet for me, the messages I get from you guys keeps it keeps me going. And it just reiterates that, you know what? Here's the one thing I get. I get from a lot of people hearing what you had to say and what you went through and, and, and what you deal with makes me realize I'm not the only one. Okay. I've gotten hundreds of messages like that. Made me realize I'm not the only one. And you guys make me realize I'm not the only one. So it works twofold. I got notes all over. Hey, you want to talk about something cool? Watch this. You want to talk about social media addiction? Who is addicted to social media? Raise your hands. Just put your put your fucking hand down. Nobody can see you. Everybody, everybody is addicted to social media. I don't even apologize for flipping pages anymore. I got to have these notes. Um, you know, you're addicted to social media when it's affecting work, it's affecting family, but you got to be able to find a way to balance it. And look, I am the pot calling the kettle black. I am glued to social media constantly. Everything I post, I got to know if it's getting traction, if it's working, is it not working? Um, I'll be in a restaurant with my family and, and, and catch myself trying not to look at my phone. Like, I'm subconsciously trying to have a conversation with someone and not think about my phone. So I'm there in body, but in mind, I'm not, you know, I'm not, I'm not living in that moment. I think human productivity, obviously, and we could talk about this for hours. Human productivity is fucking shot now. Nobody's worth a damn. Every gas station I go to, if I if or, or every store I go to, the cashier's on their phone. I gotta wait for them to finish sending their message. It's annoying. I started thinking, right? I started looking because I got a, a, a good group of um, firefighters that I'm connected to, and I started looking at some of their Instagrams. And then I see these pictures that they post of these beautiful fire scenes that they go to and these jobs that they get, and there's these wonderful action-packed shots that are just caught with a cell phone and i'm like who in the fuck is fighting the fire guys come on who's doing it 
Because if you have time to sit there and take pictures of dudes ripping hose off of the back of the engine while the while the damn building's about to fucking come down, and you got you got time to sit there and take pictures of your crew going up the ladder when with you and you in tow, chances are you're telling me one. You, your hands should be full of tools, not a, not a goddamn phone. See, back in the day when I was on the job, we didn't have many action photos because we were too busy working. And I'm not saying if we had phones back then, I guarantee you we'd be doing the same thing. So I'm not knocking you guys. I'm just saying, man, we got to put this thing in perspective. This thing's getting out of control. My biggest one is when I'm sitting at a red light and the car in front of me is on their phone. And a green, and I try, I try to not be that guy that like honks his horn. But how many of you guys are sitting in traffic in the car in front of you just will not go because they're sitting there clearly on their phone? We got problems, people. I don't I don't understand how um how people even commit crimes anymore. How is it that the crime rates are so much worse than they used to be? Our phones tell on us everywhere we are. Did you know there's a an, an uh what's the thing called? It's called significant locations in the iPhone. That can tell where you've been, when you went, how you got there, if you drove, if you walked, how long you spent there. It is insane, dude, at the way that these phones follow us around and they record everything we're doing. That's why I, I do not understand how there's any kind of crimes. Well, I get I get the crimes, but I don't understand how anybody gets away with anything. I just I don't I don't get it. Um I got a note here and I don't I don't know what the hell this is about. I think this is an old note. I think I think one thing that's funny is how people are bullies in their car, right? I hate bullies with a passion. I've never, never liked bullies. But I think people, when they get in their cars, they get road rage and all that. You know what I think that is? I think most people that have that, they've never been they've never been punched in the face. They've never been grabbed by their throat. Um They've never had any consequence to any of their actions, and that's why they behave that way. And I think for most part, they're usually probably people that get bullied in real life, whether it be by a spouse or it be just they're in a job they don't get any respect in. You know, people walk all over them. So the first thing they do is when they feel any kind of sense of empowerment in a vehicle, they get they, they, they turn into a bully. And that cracks me up because I've had people flip me off call me a motherfucker for doing nothing, <laughs> right? And I'm just sitting there thinking, if I were standing in store at a line, would you just walk up and flip me off and do that? Probably not, because your sense of security is gone. And this is completely off topic. I've just felt like it kind of flowed. But I think that's, I think it's incredible how people treat people in traffic. Um... I got a note. This goes back to suicide, man. This is just dark shit, man. It's um. There's a note when I was talking to my buddy, the one that I cut the pants off so we could see his pee pee in the wintertime, the car wreck scene. I I uh I pulled over a state trooper one time. I didn't know he was on duty when I was a cop. He went speeding by me on a motorcycle, and I stopped him. And then I got off. He showed me his credentials. He was a trooper, and I called his supervisor, who was a well known trooper in our area at the time to come get him because the guy was drunk. He was out of, he was out of his mind. And this is where I go back to maybe looking out for your people instead of just, ah, yeah, that's him. He's just wild. Check out what this trooper did. 
two weeks later, that trooper killed himself in the parking lot of a Best Buy in uh, the jurisdiction where I worked. He shot himself in the head, but not before he staged his uh, scene to look like a robbery. He went to a, um, a restaurant, and then after the restaurant, he walked out in the parking lot, rummaged through his car. Um, but I think I believe he broke his glass, and this is a long time ago. I, I didn't work the scene, so I'm working off of what I was told. Um, but he, I guess, maybe pulled his wallet out or something, made it look like a robbery, then shot himself in the head. What kind of mind frame was this guy in? Was he showing the signs and symptoms leading up to that? Well, I would believe so. I had to call his supervisor two weeks prior, and his supervisor had to come out and pick him up. Why was he on a motorcycle at 2 in the morning speeding as a police officer, speeding like triple-digit speeds on a fucking motorcycle drunk? Goes back to me back during the day. I don't know. I do talk about this in my book. I don't know if I've covered it on this podcast, but it goes back to me being drunk, driving that same route that he was taking in my car years, years later. Um, hoping that fate would take over and that I would get in a wreck and, and die. But I just, I couldn't do it at my own hand. I was trying to put myself in a position where it would just happen. And maybe that's what that trooper was going through. But instead of his superiors pulling him to the side. Now, I don't know if they ever did or not, but I'm just assuming they did not because back in the day, this we didn't talk about this stuff. I'm assuming that his trooper, his uh, his supervisor took him home, let him sleep it off, and he went back to work the next day like nothing was nothing happened. And that's what I'm getting at. You got to look at the signs and you got to look at symptoms of this stuff and you got to look at behavioral patterns of people that we love and care about. Man. Stuff's deep, huh? I was, um, it's crazy how quick these things can get on you. So I'll go from having four great days out at my farm, right? Just beautiful weather, spreading wildflower seeds, watering them, clearing land, having a good time. And came home last night. I was home about an hour before one of my security cameras went off. Now I got surveillance around this bitch like Fort Knox. I know everything that goes on within a mile radius of this place. I got I got cameras in, in neighbors' yards they don't even know about, right? So last night one of my cameras goes off and somebody's walking a dog, but the dog's off the leash. It's ten o'clock at night and the dog is way up in my yard. So I get dressed. I'm like, who in the fuck has zero respect for their neighbors just letting their dog walk and piss and shit in other people's yards at night and they're pretending like they don't see it. So I walk out, I walk down the street and I see the person. And the dog's in another yard. And then I recognized the dog. I couldn't recognize it so much from the camera. Um, so I, I had a conversation with the girl. I actually know her and, and like her, her and her uh, her husband. I like both of them. I just didn't, um, excuse me, I just didn't recognize them. It was so dark out. And uh, I just said, yeah, you set my cameras off. I was just coming to make sure, you know, you guys weren't up to anything. <laughs> so she had... I, I was making sure nobody was getting into cars and stuff, but I remember thinking, I'm like, God damn, I like y'all too. I would like really legitimately like y'all, but I don't like what you just did walking around with zero consideration for people's property. And they probably don't see it that way. But you know what I exercised last night? I exercised restraint. I tried to not express my true feelings because I was, I was pretty amped up about that. And it was just a disrespectful thing to do. And I don't think they meant any harm by it. I just don't think that they think the same way that I do. And that's, I, I feel like a milestone for me. Because the old me, I don't give a shit who you were. 
I go and I put your fucking dog on a leash. I don't care if we're friends. I'm about to break it off in your ass because you're a dumbass and I need to tell you. But that's why I like getting older. I don't think the same way that I used to. I'm changing. It's not an overnight thing. You got to reward yourself with the progress that you're making, you know, and that's, that's what it's all about. I believe a lot of, a lot of us get hung up in the same place that we we've always been. And we like to maintain that same line of thinking we've always had, but I actually walked back inside proud of myself. Um, I didn't, I didn't turn it into something that didn't need to be. And I've been really horrible at that over the years. I've, I've always made more of a situation than it needed to be because in my mind I was justified and everybody else was fucked up. But I realized like, hey, look, I'm different than most people. They're not going to understand where I'm coming from. So me trying to convince them by being uh, abrupt, it's not going to do anything. It's only going to make me look like an asshole. To be honest with you, I should not have even walked out there. I should not have even made contact with those people. I should have let it go. And that's the thing with most people in society. Most people are afraid of confrontation and they just let things go. And they get walked all over time and time again. Like, when is enough enough? And I think they understood last night that, hey, look, motherfucker, I'm watching. Don't don't do that shit again. Like, I don't want to walk out in my yard and find a pile of dog shit because next thing you're going to know, it's going to be burning on your fucking front door. With <laughs> so, another reason I like going to the farm is I don't have news, right? And if you watch the news, I think this is the most toxic shit we can do to ourselves. And that's another thing about social media is they're just. And I'm not getting political. I'm not getting on a rant. But that's that's the government's way of controlling our thinking, right? It's propaganda, propaganda, propaganda. And regardless of what you want to believe, I don't care if you're left leaning or right leaning, they cater to both. So. They, they serve a dish for both both parties out there. It's just whichever one you want to gobble up. Another reason I don't like the news is because um, there's, there's sometimes there's triggers on there for me, and I try to limit those triggers. I want to talk about triggers because I've gotten a lot of messages about how to handle these. Now, I got my, my ass got shook hard this morning. I was not expecting this. I was watching the news. It was 6 a.m. My girls were eating uh, their breakfast behind me. My wife was getting ready for work. And she actually walked in and looked at the TV and I was glued to it. And that's not normally something like normally I'm just have a TV on for background noise. But there was a firefighter in New York that um, outside of the city that died uh, a couple days ago. And he um, they I, I, I've already heard about this, but I didn't see it. Right. Um, they showed the fire of a nursing home and then they said firefighters body recovered and I immediately was watching this scene watching the flames from it and it drew me in to that night when I was inside of that building that killed my nine friends and I watched this fire as it was raging and I remember thinking of every single one of my friends the condition that they were they were in that night where we found them how they found them and it was like it was happening at the speed of light inside of my mind that morning, I was singing to my girls. I was having a good time. I was bubbly. I was glad to be back home because I just went and recharged at the farm. And sitting down, that one 30-second news clip fucking rocked my morning. I immediately fell silent. My wife said, you okay? She noticed it immediately. I lied and said, yes, I'm all right. She knew I was lying. 
but there was no need to get into it. She was going to school. I mean, I couldn't, I don't sit there and my girls were there. I didn't want them to hear what I was thinking. That's what I'm talking about. Spouses, listen up. I've talked about this in other episodes. Spouses, if you have someone that goes through something like this, that right there is your cue to not poke and to not prod, but to understand. Now, you go to work for the day, you can come home, and I think a ginger way to maybe insert yourself into that conversation is, hey, I noticed something affected you this morning. It probably wasn't the right time to talk about it. Is there anything you want to talk about today uh, about what was going on with you this morning? And your spouse may open up to you. I would open up like that. I would certainly be like, okay, well, look, now that I've calmed down, I'm not in that anxious moment. Man, my breathing was fucked up. I was, I was, I was having, that's, that's, that's a straight up flashback is, is what it was. And my, my girls are behind me having a good time and I didn't want to freak out and make my problems their problems. And that's what dealing with this shit is all about, right? It's about growing and being able to maintain your control and your composure when something affects us. And this is something else I'm proud of. And it's, it's a constant work in progress, constant, never goes away. Um, I have literally 300 different things that bother me at any given time. And that one this morning just really took me for a ride, but spouses, you gotta, you gotta listen up when, when we start shutting down, it's usually not because of you. And I've talked about this in episodes. If you're not caught up a lot of times, the problem is with something we're experiencing outside of you. And it's something we can't explain to you. So when we go through what we go through in our job, a way for us to protect you and to protect our family is to leave them out of it. You ever hear that saying, leave that shit at, at work or leave that shit, leave your home life at home, leave your work life at work. We try not to bring that home. The problem is we do bring it home, but we bring it home in a way that's more destructive than it is constructive. We bury it. We suppress it. And what happens is we, we fall silent. Our behavior changes, our moods change. Um, we don't really communicate as well anymore. And in turn, you take that personally as a spouse and you think it's you. I've done something wrong. I can't say anything right. I can't do anything right. And now your behavior changes because you're reacting to our behavior. And then when you fall silent and you have nothing to say, now we, the responder, husband or wife takes that personally. And now is the great divide. And now we have zero communication in this, in this relationship. And we just start drifting apart and further apart and further apart before we're so far apart. We can't even toss each other a lifeline. I've experienced this. I've experienced this personally. <clears throat> I can talk for hours on this stuff. I believe relationships should be private. I don't believe, um, I should bring anyone on or I should talk so much about my, my private relationships, but I can give you kind of like a little bit of insight. I just think I just did. Um, and that's where that wedge comes in. And that's where we got to be better at communicating on both sides. And we got to make sure that we're not taking everything so personally because Shit, half the time you take something personally, it had nothing to do with you in the first place. We just don't know how to express it or to communicate it. And I did that on that episode, communicating through trauma. You got to figure out in your home what is the best way to communicate 
with your with your spouse. Man, we have breezed through this thing. So I want to. I'm going to open up Instagram here. I got a couple of messages. Um, give a give a shout out to my buddy Kenny Mitchell while I'm recording. Kenny Mitchell with Chesterfield Fire up in um, in Virginia. I just opened Instagram and I got a picture of you crawling through a hallway. It looks like y'all might be doing some writ cha- training. Oh, first day in gear. Okay, so big shout out to my buddy Kenny Mitchell up there. Um, I want to, there was a couple of things I wanted to, to read. I got to make sure I can find them. I, I have to filter through a shit ton of these. Hang on. Okay, here we go. Holy shit, brother. Today's podcast was a well-needed hard blow. I've always allowed my position in emergency services to define who I was and always put the badge in front of everything, including my family. I was so lost and still struggle without having the badge. You opened my eyes that the badge of dad should be the biggest and best badge to wear. Keep the straightforward, no bullshit coming as it really opens my eyes and mind. Question. Is the city bad for you due to all of the shit that you went through there? At times I feel like constant reminders are around every corner of the city I live in, and it may be why I for no reason struggle so much. So one, there was a statement that he made in there about the the badge of dad is the most important thing you'll wear. Yes, that is 100% correct. I don't want to go back down a past episode where letting job titles define us, right? But they shouldn't. Your, your first priority, your only priority in life is to be the best father if you have children that you can be. Everything else falls second to that, in my opinion. Everything. Nothing else matters. Fuck a title. Fuck a job. Job doesn't define you. You At some point, like I said, you're going to move on from these jobs, and you're not going to have that job anyhow. What if you spent 30 years just dedicating your life to a job, and then when you're older, you realized you dedicated so much of that your life to that job that you didn't dedicate as much any time to your children, and now they're 30 years old, and your job got everything. They got nothing. How the fuck is that fair? You know, and that's what fucks kids up. You got to be able to balance that shit, man. But to answer his question, because this this dude is definitely a, a, a huge supporter of mine. I really appreciate it. He knows that me being in the city where I live does me no good. I, I don't like it. It gives me crazy anxiety every time I have to go outside of my home. And um, But I do it. I got soccer today. We'll go. But my head will be on a swivel. I'll be in a safe place, soccer with my kids. But my head will still be on a swivel, and I'll be thinking fucked up shit. And I'll be the only dad there, I promise you, thinking fucked up shit. Because where I live, there's just la-la fucking land out here. And I see just how people are just, oh, there's no threat, blah, 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 blah. And it probably isn't. And I'm probably making shit worse in my mind. But that's what we do. We're hypervigilant. We're in protection mode constantly. So that's why when I'm not in the city... I don't have those feelings. Yes, the city fucked me up because everywhere I go, there's reminders of bad shit. There was a uh, a car wreck here with a guy that had his head decapitated. There was a murder scene here where two dudes just got murdered when I was a cop, and I just talked to them three seconds before. They were getting ready to kill each other, and I had my window down talking to them, and I pulled off, and as soon as we crossed the fucking road, you hear the gunshots, and then you come back, and they're dead. Like, like what the fuck? Who, where's this? How does this shit happen? So, um... 
And then, of course, you have the big, the big things, the fires, the, uh, the suicides. And you see all these things everywhere I go. And when I'm in my car, uh, my kids are like, oh, look, there's Krispy Kreme donuts. Let's stop. It's like, no, because I worked a fucking fatal uh, motor vehicle accident right in front of that uh, with a moped versus a pedestrian. I, I don't feel like going to Krispy Kreme right now because I'm seeing that, that guy, that, that young college kid on his back taking his last breaths agonally while I'm trying to put a fucking oral pharyngeal airway down his goddamn throat. So I don't want the goddamn Krispy Kremes right now, okay? Um, so yeah, the city fucks me up, long and short. And that's why I get out of it. And I try to get to the country as much as I can because the country is my peace, man. That's that's where, that's my jam. Um, trying to find another one. This guy was telling me about he made his wife listen to the last episode because he he was having a hard time communicating with her. And I'm not saying I'm the the relationship healer. That's not what I'm doing. But I think I'm in a position where um, I can speak transparently about this. And hopefully it's hard for us to open these these conversations up with our spouse. We don't even know where to start. Fuck, I know. Trust me. I've been there. But I have a little platform and I'm trying to use it for some good. And that's kind of why I do what I do. I mean, I'm going to close out on this, uh, on this last message I got through Instagram all the way from, from the, my friends down under in Australia. Uh, crazy how many folks listen to me in Australia. I've gotten, um, I've gotten a lot of messages from you guys and girls down there. It's, it's pretty cool. So at least I can say I'm, I'm kind of in Australia now. I've always wanted to go down there. I just haven't been able to get down there. This guy wrote, Shit, bro, I thought eight was good. Nine was raw and on point. Outstanding. Thank you, sir. I appreciate it. He went on to further to say, I've been thinking about topics, and one that has come up recently amongst me and my mates, I like how they say friends, mates, I mean, mates, is, are we normal? Why is this job, which I love, going to leave me broken? Is there a way to normalize what we do? Man, I don't think there is a way to normalize it. How do you how do you normalize seeing the worst of the worst? There's absolutely zero way. And I've been away from the job for 10 years now, 11 years, all right? And I can if I want to, I can think back on some very 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 bad moments. I try to choose not to because any time throughout my day, I'm constantly reminded of things. So I don't think there is a way to normalize it because we don't live in a bubble. We don't get to see this, live in this fucking la-la land that people get to live in that get to go to nine-to-five jobs who never experience a bloody nose in their entire life. We don't get that luxury. We're talking the worst situations a man or woman can be involved in. I mean, seeing people take their last breaths, seeing people twisted and mangled, and these are the most innocent of people most of the time, young kids, elderly people, I mean, and everything in between. Here's here's my answer to why is the job which I love going to leave me broken? All right? It's going to it's going to leave you broken if you do not make a serious commitment to taking care of your mental health. That is why I do what I do now. That is why I speak about this shit to show other people it's okay to speak about it. You don't have to get on a platform like I do. A lot of people, they have careers to protect. And I hate to say that, that sometimes you have to protect your career and you can't let some of this shit out. But there are ways around that. 
and there are programs available for you. But if you just bury it and deal with it, that's exactly what how it's going to leave you broken. It's going to wreck your home. It's going to wreck your friendships, and you're going to die an old fucking man or an old woman alone with a cat or a fucking dog. Or would you rather, or you'll be that old motherfucker in a nursing home that nobody wants to talk to. You'd just be eating your pudding by yourself in a corner of the cafeteria. Your goddamn drink will be empty. Nobody even want to feel it because you're just that mean, crotchety, crabby fuck. That'd be me. <laughs> I don't want a goddamn water. <laughs> You got to take care of yourself now, bro. Get in front of it before you get behind it. That's it. That's the, I honestly believe, because that was the turning point for me. That was the magical aha moment where you realize I got to get in front of this thing because I didn't do that. I got behind it and I had to play catch up. I played catch up for over a decade and I don't want to see any of you guys, any of my people that, that are here. I don't want to know people are. Or play and catch up, man. I'd love to know you're in front of it. You're doing the steps necessary to take care of yourself and your family. Don't let all don't let everybody else suffer for your bullshit, man. Hey, look, I got some cool stuff coming up. I got um Chattanooga. This show is actually going to air April the twelfth, Monday. So if you're in or around Chattanooga, Tennessee, or you know people in Chattanooga, Tennessee, I'm actually performing at the Comedy Catch downtown Chattanooga, April sixteenth and seventeenth. I have four shows, two Friday and two Saturday. You can go to thecomedycatch.com and get tickets. Normally, we sell out all the shows in Chattanooga. Um, this time, I don't know what's going to happen with COVID. Shit, last time I was there, it was during COVID, and we sold those motherfuckers out. So you know what? Probably going to sell out. So send your people, get some tickets. If you're within the driving range, come out and see me, man. Um, I'd love to shake hands with you guys. I know I have a good group of folks that are uh, within you know several hours of there. I'm not telling you to make a fucking 12-hour drive, but hey... Look, I'd love to see you. Also have Baltimore coming up in October. I'm doing uh, for the Emerald Society, Baltimore Police and Fire Department. I'm doing four speaking engagements and one comedy event. Um, tickets are already selling out for the comedy event because there's just one. Uh, DM me if you want information on that, and I can send you the Eventbrite link so you can get your tickets. Um, just booked um, another motivational slash keynote keynote presentation Lancaster, South Carolina for the fire department there and some of the police department folks. So that's exciting. FDIC firefighters convention, Indianapolis, baby going to be doing the comedy show there Friday night. Uh, the week, I believe that's April or no, uh, October the 20th. I have to check my, no, August 20th. I'm all fucked up on those dates because they've moved it around so much, but it's the first week that, or the week that FDIC is in town in Indianapolis. I'll be there that Friday night. South Bend, Indiana, you're on my radar too. Uh, get ready, South Bend, Indiana, police and fire. Uh, that's your ass. It looks like uh, that might be coming to fruition also. Never been to South Bend. Um, I think I've passed through it doing my tour, but I've never stopped. There's so much even to get some gasoline. So I'm looking to spend some time there. You guys, I can't thank y'all enough. I really can't. Um, you are tremendous in what you do. And the support that you guys have given me gives me, what did I say? That fuel when my tank is empty. You guys are that fuel for me. So I appreciate that from the bottom of my heart. I truly do. Um, I also really appreciate the love and support you've given me on my book that has come out. Uh, we just we just passed 308 reviews on Amazon. That's actually huge for a, a self-published dude 
to be able to get that kind of reviews, man, that's some serious love. I mean, that's not common for self-published books. Um, so I've been told, thank y'all so much. Check out my website for tour dates. They're always available. Um, go get the book. If you want, create your own light, please tell people about this podcast. I can't do this without you guys. I've said this in other episodes, Instagram and Facebook are not letting me promote it. They're trying to monetize me. I'm not going to get long winded on that, but if you have somebody that you think could benefit from the message that we together are trying to create here and, and put out there for the universe, send them to me. Um, have them subscribe on all the major platforms. Um, pretty easy dude to find. Uh, having said that, I think that's all my plugs. I got them in, baby. Hey, y'all have a great week. Kick some ass. I hope to see y'all in Chattanooga. Don't forget, if you know people in Chattanooga, reach out to them. Tell them to come out to a comedy show. I'll, uh, this will be the first time I've been on stage in two months at that point. So I always like that because I'm a little bit rusty and not so well polished. And it's actually more fun. And it gets the jitters going. So thank you all again. I love you all. You all have a good one.